just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your week is going well. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about a conversation I had with somebody today. I think I missed an opportunity to make a friend. In fact, I probably made an enemy. But I've told you before, my hobby is pissing people off. I love pissing people off. And fortunately, these days, (laughs) business is good. Anyway, I'm passing this guy by. We chat for a little bit, as we are wont to do on occasion. Generally, it's pretty generic. But today, for some reason, he felt necessary to bring up the topic of transgendered people and how he was upset about that with the sports and the bathrooms and all that sort of thing. And uh, he told me how outraged he is about this whole thing and how it shouldn't be allowed. Transgendered people shouldn't count. I said, okay. Well, tell me, what do you think about same-sex marriages? He looked at me like I was an idiot and he said, same thing. It's an abomination. It's against the Bible. I looked at the guy and I said, I'm guessing you've never read the Bible. I'm guessing you've heard this on Fox or OAN or for some other trump and you're just parroting it. Because I'm guessing if I ask you for chapter and verse of where it says that, you couldn't give it to me. And he looks at me kind of weird. I said, do you have the chapter and verse? And he couldn't answer. Because all he was doing is listening to all the other Trump fucks, and he was parroting what they say because facts don't matter to these people. I said, so you're against transgendered people. You're against same-sex marriage with the people involved in that, correct? He said, absolutely. That's the only way to think. I said, okay. Well, can I ask you a couple questions? He said, what's that? I said, so you and your wife, when you're in the bedroom, intimate times, what kind of shit are you into? I mean, is it kinky? Is it more missionary? We talking reverse cowgirl? What? What do you guys do? His eyes were wide open, and he was between shocked and mad. And he looked at me, he says, what? I said, yeah, what do you guys do sexually, you and your wife? He looks at me very carefully and he says, that is none of your fucking business. (laughs) I said, there you go. See, we have some common ground here. We can agree on something. You don't think that I have any reason to know anything about your sexuality with your wife. He said, absolutely. It's none of your fucking business. Now he was getting mad. I said, okay, well, tell me this. One more question for you. If you believe that with me regarding your sexuality, what makes you think you should have any input or judgment on the sexuality of people that are transgendered or homosexual in the same-sex marriages? Why in the world do you think you have any input or what you think matters? Now he's angry. He said, well, it's against God. 
I go, we've already established it isn't, and you don't know anything that shows that it is. You're hearing stuff from people on TV, and you're frightened by it. You're scared by it. So now you act like you're outraged when when actually you're just fearful of it. I said, I don't have time to talk to gutless people, people who don't know what they're talking about, and people that just spew shit, spew lies, because it makes them feel powerful. (laughs) He says, I got to go. I said, well, fuck you very much. And I let him go. Now, I'm thinking we probably aren't going to have those chats again. And you know what? Good, because I don't need to hear that shit. (laughs) Oh, that was fun. I didn't tell my wife about that because, well, she would probably give me shit about it. You've got to be nicer. And I am generally nice with most people unless they're fucking idiots. And then I have a problem with them. I'm sorry. That's just who I am. Well, let me ask you this. Have you all recovered from this horrific incident in Virginia where a Republican actually won the governorship of the state of Virginia? Oh, the media is all in an uproar. All the... um, Democrats are fearful that this is a sign of what's to come in 2022. Even Mitch McConnell fucking stood up and said, well, I guess this proves the Democrats don't aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I'll give them a little bit of advice. Maybe they should drop all this infrastructure stuff, but clearly it's not working. Like the Democrats or anybody with any sense is going to take advice from Mitch the Bitch McConnell. He is the most creepy, lying, fucking corrupt piece of shit on this earth. But he thinks he can offer up this suggestion to the Democrats. (laughs) Well, here's the deal. Here's what you need to know about a Republican winning in Virginia. Now, the way they vote for governors in Virginia, it always is comes around about the first year after a president takes office. You want to hear something interesting? Every year, going back to the 80s, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and now Joe Biden, Every time, whether it be Republican or Democrat, the opposite party wins the governorship. This isn't fucking new. This is happening every time. So to be upset about this is absolutely fucking ridiculous. I mean, the fact of the matter is there are bigger issues to be concerned with. Now, each of those times, generally the New Jersey governor flips to the opposite um, party as well. Not this time. Nope, he just squeaked it out. But Paul Murphy won the governorship in New Jersey. What's especially weird about that, no Democratic governor has won a second term since 1977, but Paul Murphy did it this time. See what I mean about how these people make up shit just to cause drama and trauma and tribulations? This stuff always goes on. It's not a bellwether to fucking anything. But the media will tell you, oh yeah, it's a bellwether. Jesus Christ, what is going to happen if a Republican wins in Virginia? 
Now, I've talked about this on TikTok, and I've talked about uh, this here, and I'll reiterate it for you, because people really seem to be concerned about this. It's all you hear in the media. Well, Virginia went Republican, and uh, that's a bad sign for Democrats. Let me tell you about Virginia. First of all, did you know that Virginia is where Charlottesville happened? You know, all those white supremacists, Donald Trump, there were some good people on both sides. One such white supremacist ran over an innocent woman and killed her. In fact, they're in the middle of lawsuits right now. So is it surprising a Republican won that when they're most famous for, as of late, the Charlottesville riots with the white supremacists? And then you've got Terry McAuliffe. He is the candidate that was up against um, Glenn Youngkin, the Democratic candidate. Now, the problem with um, Terry McAuliffe is he was a former governor. He was a governor of the state of Virginia at one point. Terry's got all kinds of problems. He was very close to the Clintons, and we know how people love the Clintons now. He also, in 2013, was investigated for misusing campaign funds to enrich himself. He wasn't indicted or convicted of it, but that didn't look too good for him. A lot of people knew who McAuliffe was, and he wasn't all that impressive. As I've said before, Glenn Youngkin uh, represented a change, an unknown commodity, but a change. So people were willing to take the risk like they did with Donald Trump when they wanted a change. And what they're getting now in Virginia is essentially a mini Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, he's saying all the right things about uh, education and those sorts of things. But we know he's also anti-abortion. Do the people in Virginia know that? Do they Have they done their research and understand who Glenn Youngkin really is? I'm guessing not. I'm guessing not. So what's going to happen a year in, two years in, he's going to start doing stupid shit just like Donald Trump, and uh, they're going to be sorry for it. But in the long run, it really doesn't mean much to the Democrats. As I've said before, Glenn Youngkin wins the governorship in Virginia. Media says, oh my God, that's bad news for, for the Democrats. But here's what's going to happen. At some point in the next couple of weeks, those infrastructure bills are going to pass. That's going to do a lot of good for people, and it's going to change the perspective of the Democrats and Joe Biden in a big way. You're going to get the reform bill passed, and maybe they'll kick out or carve out that filibuster. When that reform bill passes, that's going to change everything for the Democrats. And then when you start seeing indictments and uh, prosecution and, and, and convictions of some of these people in Congress with the insurrection, some of the insurrectionists themselves, some of the people as part of the administration of Donald Trump, and maybe Donald Trump himself, That's going to change everything. After all that happens, do you think they're going to say, well, that's all great. Those fucking Republicans are criminals, but God damn it, Governor Yunkin, what happened there? (laughs) People forget shit. Three months from now, nobody will know 
Governor Yunkin's fucking name or that he won or that it matters. This is what frustrates me about the media and people in general. They hear what they hear on the media. They just repeat it as if it's fact or that it's not bullshit. But it is. As I've said before, these people are trying to get ratings. They're trying to cause drama, trauma, tribulations just so they can get ratings. People have to be smarter than this. People have to figure out that uh, what you hear isn't always true. And as I've said before, that's the whole reason for me doing this rational boomer thing. First of all, you don't expect it out of a boomer. You think a boomer is going to be a trumper and a racist and all these sorts of things. But we're finding out with TikTok, almost 100,000 followers and the people that listen to the podcast, there's a lot of us out there. There's a lot of people who think like me or close to me. Not everybody has to agree on everything. But there are people that happen to be baby boomers that are good people, Gen Xers that are good people, that want the best for this country and the people in this country. Not every older person is aligned with Donald Trump and these fucking Republicans. Just no way. It's, it's tiring to see, and I've heard that from people all the time. They get frustrated when they're a boomer like you and I, or even a Gen Xer. They see you walking in the, down the street, or you walk into a bar, or you walk into some party or something. People see you, and they decide who you are based on how old you are. And when they do that, they feel comfortable about saying the bullshit they do. And then we, when we have the audacity to actually call them on it, push it back in their face, they're not only mad, but they're surprised. Dude, you're one of us. Why don't you think like us? Well, because you're fucking idiots, and I'm not a fucking idiot. And there's a lot of people out there that aren't fucking idiots that happen to be of my vintage. And it gets frustrating to go through that all the time. So, regardless of what happens with... uh, Virginia, Democrats did get New Jersey. And it's funny. Nobody's saying, oh, my God, they won New Jersey. Everything's all better now. They only focus on the negative. Glenn Youngkin, Republican governor of Virginia, that's horrible. But again, remember, this is the place that Charlottesville happened. That's kind of an indicator of a certain faction of those people in Virginia. Of course, not all people are like that. Virginia is a wonderful state. There are a lot of wonderful people in it. But if a state can have something like Charlottesville and the white supremacist, you shouldn't be too surprised if a racist gets elected to governor. It's like Alabama or Mississippi. What do you expect? And none of it is the death knell to the Democrats. It's just... Just a fucking excuse more than anything. So when we get this infrastructure deal done, we start getting the voting bill accomplished. And we start seeing people being held accountable for all these crimes and corruption. You'll see a different take on what's going on in the 2022 election. As I said, people forget so quick. And the fact that this is timing out between now and 2022 
is probably a plus. The shorter period of time from the benefits to reach the people, the closer it is to 2022's election, the better. Now, I did have a guy call me up and say, not call me up, but posted and said, yeah, well, that 2022 infrastructure stuff will not take effect until late 2022. I said, so what's your fucking point? Well, it won't do any good. I said, there, you're wrong. First of all, as soon as the bill is signed, the stock market and the economy will be affected dramatically. The stock market is a speculative business. So when they see all this good stuff, the building, the jobs, the money going into the system, that's going to make the stock market go crazy. And keep in mind, the stock market is already at 36000 which is far higher than anything Donald Trump ever did, by a long shot. There's been more gains in the stock market in the 10 months that, or 12 months, 10 months that uh, Joe Biden's been in than Donald Trump hid in all four years. Quite a bit more. We hear with regards to the Democrats that it's about their messaging. And that's part of the situation where they're having problems. They want to go against Donald Trump. They keep talking about Donald Trump and how bad he is. And that seems to be what their campaign's about. Well, Glenn Youngkin in Georgia, Georgia, Virginia, talked about things people care about, things that are going to be helpful to them. That's one of the reasons why he won. The Democrats have to get off this thing of going after Donald Trump. I'm not saying stop the investigations, stop the indictments and the prosecutions. Keep that going. But the message they have to deliver, clearly, is the benefits to the people because that's what's going to cause them to vote for Democrats. Now, in the infrastructure and the reconciliation bill, there's tons of things that are going to help the people. But as we've found out, there's a lot of fucking dumb people in this country, so you've got to spell it out for them. You've got to tell them what the fuck is up. And that's what the Democrats need to focus on. They need to explain how people are benefiting from the things they do. Now, I wanted to bring something up about this voter reform stuff, these bills that they're trying to get passed and the Republicans refuse to vote on. Something like that happened today. Every Republican voted against the John Lewis voting rights bill. Well, not everyone. Lisa Murkowski did vote for the voting rights bill. But every other Republican said, nope, we don't want voting rights. We'd rather let states cheat because that's the only way we can fucking win. So this is the second time in a couple of weeks that it didn't pass. So you're probably wondering, why in the world would they run it again if they know it's not going to pass? I'll tell you why. So it puts pressure on... Joe Manchin, and Christian Cinema. They want this voting rights bill, and they keep saying, let's do it bipartisan. Well, after you've run it two times and bipartisan isn't even an option, they've got to think about that a little bit. They've got to go back to their states and say why they haven't done the John Lewis or any other voting rights bill they might have. 
So that puts pressure on them to say, well, maybe we should do something with the filibuster. At the very least, they can carve it out so this particular bill passes on a simple majority, 51 votes. I mean, Mitch McConnell's done it before when he's trying to place people in the courts or what have you. It can be done with this, but we need Manchin and Cinema on board. Up to this point, they haven't been interested in getting rid of or cutting out the filibuster. Well, now the pressure's on. Their idea of bipartisanism is a bunch of shit, and they now know it. They look embarrassed because they thought they could pull it off, but they can't. But they need to get the bill passed. We need to get the bills passed because if the voting rights bills aren't enacted, we're in fucking trouble. Not just the Democrats, a country as a whole. We've got people trying to suppress votes. We've got people trying to cheat, gerrymandering, and all this sort of stuff. These people are trying to game the system so their party wins. And when I say they, I mean the Democrats have been responsible for some of this as well. Right now, it's mostly the Republicans, but Democrats have done it too. That's why we need to pass the voting rights bill. So nobody can fuck around with it. Nobody can cheat. Because right now, the Democrats are in charge or in the majority, and the Republicans are trying to do it. But don't kid yourself. If everything switches around... The Democrats will be playing that shit as well. So we need it as a country. And now Joe Manchin and Sinema are getting a little pressure on them about this filibuster, and they're going to have to do something. They're going to get the voting rights bill passed, one of them. There's two or three of them. One of them they're going to get passed. I mean, one Joe Manchin essentially wrote. I don't know why the fuck he wouldn't check the filibuster if it's a bill that he pretty much wrote. And it's a good bill. It does what it's supposed to do. But now the pressure's on. Keep in mind, Joe Biden was against getting rid of the filibuster too. But he sees the writing on the wall. He's taken a turn. He's interested in carving out the filibuster, if not more. That's exactly what he said. He knows he has to. Bipartisan's great. But if the Republicans refuse to play ball, you got to fucking do something. Joe Biden's ready. Soon Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema will be too. They will get the voting rights bill ultimately passed. It's important for this country. It's important for the Democrats to get it done ASAP. We've got essentially a year from the 2022 midterm elections. They got a lot of shit to pull out of their pockets. They've got the infrastructure Bipartisan infrastructure bill, the reconciliation bill, voters' rights. They've got to go after the people with the insurrection and make them accountable, make the Trump administration accountable. they got a lot to do in a year, and they better fucking do it. Otherwise, they're going to be in trouble in 2022. But when it's all said and done, Glenn Youngkin, being the Republican governor of Virginia, won't mean shit. Trust me on this. It won't mean shit. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. So there was some good news. You probably heard that the CDC and FDA have approved vaccinations for kids between 5 and 11. We already have the 12 to 18, but now the 5 and 11 kids uh, can get the vaccination. And this has got to be a relief to a lot of people. I know I was never really concerned about getting COVID, at least early on. Now as things have passed and 750,000 people have died from it, yeah, I'm a little nervous about it. I got my booster a couple of days ago. Now I'm feeling like I'm bulletproof. <laughs> well, not really. I'm still old and I can still get COVID. But the thing with the kids getting the vaccination, it's particularly comforting for me. Because my biggest fear wasn't getting COVID for myself, given that I'm vaccinated. My biggest fear is giving it to my grandkids. I have a grandson who's nine, a granddaughter who's 18 months. And the worst thing in the world could be that I somehow transmitted COVID to one of them, got them sick. And even if you're vaccinated, of course, you can still pass it on. It's rare, but it can happen. So every time I go see my grandkids, I go to Walgreens, get one of those tests, those home tests, and make sure I'm good because I'm not taking any chances with my grandchildren, no way, no how. So now that kids from 5 to 11 can be vaccinated, it's going to help out a lot. Fewer innocent kids are going to be stuck with this horrible virus and struggle either through uh, the sickness or some kids have died from COVID-19. We don't understand what is going on with COVID-19. So I'm gra- glad that at least my grandson will be protected with a vaccination. The little girl, she's only 18 months. Nothing has been approved for her as yet. But the fewer people with um, the potential of getting COVID and transmitting covid is going to make it way safer for my granddaughter. It's going to make it safer for your kids, your grandkids. And that's what's most important to me here. One of the biggest reasons I was concerned about other people getting vaccinations, even if they didn't want to get it, wasn't for their safety. It was because they can then transmit it to other people, including kids, especially since they aren't vaccinated. Now, the people who are anti-vaxxers, if you want to get COVID and die, I could give a fuck. But if you give it to a kid who isn't protected, now I've got a problem. They always talk about, well, I don't want to be vaccinated. It's my right. Well, we all have rights, and we all pay consequences if we exercise those rights. But I will tell you one thing. The moment your rights infringe on somebody else's rights, well, that's where your rights end. And that's exactly what you're doing with COVID-19. I don't know if you heard, this is particularly um, of interest to me. We now hear that uh, Green Bay Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, I almost forgot his name. (laughs) I hate Aaron Rodgers. But apparently he's in COVID protocol right now. Now, they haven't said whether 
he has COVID or he was just exposed to COVID. But it sounded like Aaron wasn't vaccinated. Now, I don't like Aaron Rodgers for a couple of things. First of all, he plays for the Green Bay Packers. I live in Minnesota. There is no Minnesota Vikings fan that has any love for the Green Bay Packers, especially Aaron Rodgers. He's an arrogant, cocky fuck that doesn't even get along with his family. So now he's under COVID protocol. Now, enough people on his team get exposed to it. There's a new rule in, uh, in the NFL that they just have to forfeit the game. I don't know whether or not they'll be honest about it as to how many people have been exposed to COVID, but apparently Aaron Rodgers is out of the game on the 9th. So Aaron Rodgers won't play, and I'm fine with that. I'm sick of that son of a bitch. He's just a toxic human being. He's a good quarterback. I have to give him that. He does a good job with the Green Bay Packers. But like people in Minnesota always say, my favorite team other than the Minnesota Vikings, is any team that's playing the Green Bay Packers. I got to tell you, man, it's really contentious between Minnesota and Wisconsin sports. I had an experience one time, and this wasn't with the Green Bay Packers. This was with the University of Wisconsin. The Minnesota Gophers were playing the University of Wisconsin. My wife and I decided to take our two boys over to um, camp, whatever the fucking thing they call in Wisconsin, and go take the kids and see a game in Wisconsin against the Gophers. Now, prior to going to the game, I said to my wife, do me a favor. Don't put Gopher shit on my kids. Don't put jerseys on them. Don't give them hats that say Gophers. Just don't do it. (laughs) And she looked at me, you're fucking crazy. I'm putting gopher jerseys on these kids. So I got one kid that's probably five and one kid that's 11. And we go sit in the stands. My five-year-old's kind of a feisty kid anyway. And uh, he's sitting there with his gopher jersey on. And the gophers do something good. So my little guy stands up and cheers and yells, Go gophers! (laughs) And just behind me, just behind me, is some drunk Wisconsin fan who stands up, points at my five-year-old kid and says, sit the fuck down, you piece of shit, (laughs) to my five-year-old kid. Well, needless to say, that riled me up a bit. (laughs) And I got up and turned around. (laughs) And my wife pushed me back down. I thought she was going to take the the, uh, more sane route and not get into any trouble. No, that's not what happened. My wife stood up, tore into that son of a bitch like nobody's business. I should have known better. I know who my wife is, and I know what she's capable of. This guy was unfortunate that I didn't get to handle him because my wife was going to be way worse, and she was. And after it had gone on for a little bit, his wife sitting next to him was equally as embarrassed, (laughs) and started yelling at him, sit down and shut up. What are you doing yelling at a five-year-old kid? And fortunately, that got cooled off, and he kept doing stuff to other people, and of course, security grabbed him and hauled him the hell out of there. So there's really no love lost between Wisconsin and Minnesota fans, 
when it comes to sports. Now, that said, I do love the state of Wisconsin. When my wife and I had our honeymoon, we didn't have a lot of money, so we went up to Bayfield, which is a beautiful place. It looks like New England. It's right on Lake Superior. It's beautiful. We still go up there from time to time. We go to a number of towns in Wisconsin just for road trips or to stay overnight. We love Wisconsin, and most people in Wisconsin are fine. But (laughs) those sports fans, they are rabid as motherfuckers, and they are hard to deal with. Even when they come here to Minnesota, they are mouthy as shit. My wife's gotten a few arguments at uh, hockey games or football games here. These people are not friendly. They're not reasonable. So the good news, 5 to 11-year-old kids can get the vaccination. That'll make a lot of parents more comfortable. Aaron Rodgers may have COVID (laughs) or just exposed to COVID and good fucking riddance. The fact that he can't play next week, I think is awesome. So I want to take a couple of moments and talk about the Supreme Court. I have a view on the Supreme Court that I want to pass along and uh, what the problem is with the Supreme Court. A lot of people think that um, we have a six to three split, six conservative to three liberal And they think that's the problem. And that may be part of the problem, but there's a bigger problem there, I think. Now, the Supreme Court is hearing arguments on the anti-abortion laws in Texas. The whole reason we have this stupid vigilante law that's totally against the Constitution is because the Supreme Court allowed it. Now they're hearing arguments about it, and they'll have to decide what ultimately happens, and that'll be months down the road because that's how the Supreme Court does things. The ultimate goal of the evangelicals and the Republicans and such is to overturn Roe v. Wade, even though everybody has said that's settled law. It's agreed upon in the Constitution. So somehow these folks want to change the Constitution. And it was interesting, I I talked about this in the last podcast, I think, but I'm going to bring it up again because Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court Justice, the, you know, the sexual abuser, well, he, he brought up, well, why wouldn't some liberal state do the same thing with guns? Somebody shoots a bunch of people with AR-15s, they can make it legal for people to sue the gun manufacturers and the gun dealers. And he's absolutely right. That's something we need to look at. If they fuck around with this anti-abortion stuff and it somehow gets through, you might as well use what they started against them. They set the precedent. By all means, use it against them. And once you do, you will see the Second Amendment freaks crying and screaming and upset and mad. But you know what? They set the rules. So now they got to deal with it. The other thing they're talking about is some gun laws in New York. And I don't really know the specifics about it. New York has gun laws and uh, they kind of supersede or go beyond what the federal gun laws are. And frankly, they have fewer gun problems than a lot of other states. Apparently somebody wants to overturn that law and they've got it to the Supreme Court. Well, I heard a comment made by Judge Alito. He's a conservative. And they were talking about guns on subways and such and other kinds of transportation. 
And Judge Alito made a comment that I think tells me a lot about what we've got in the Supreme Court, not just conservative. He was talking about, well, if all the bad people on the subways have guns, why can't the good people? (laughs) Yeah, he sounds like Bernard Getz. You remember him? He was on the subway. He'd been picked on many times. He brought a gun on. A few black uh, teens came up to him and harassed him, and he shot a couple of them. He went to jail. Did he go to jail? He might have gotten off, or at least with a short short term in prison. But that's what a Supreme Court is Supreme Court justice is saying. Well, if the bad guys got guns, we should have guns. That'll make it safer. Really? Then how come we have these mass shootings in Texas where everybody who can stand up and walk can have a gun? These mass shootings still happen in Texas. Or do you remember this Brady law? It was for James Brady. It was a federal law about guns. Now, James Brady got shot at the same time Ronald Reagan got shot. You remember that. But here's Ronald Reagan. And here's James Brady walking along side by side. They both get shot. Well, who's more protected than the President of the United States? Who has more guns and Secret Service that are surrounding Ronald Reagan and James Brady? So that concept that if everybody have guns, we'll all be safer is a bunch of bullshit. And it gets to my point about the Supreme Court. Sure, there's a lot about Republican and Democrat, conservative and liberal But for me, we've got a lot of older people on the Supreme Court, some middle-aged people. But it seems to me that these fucking people are just out of touch with what's really going on in this world. I mean, they live this lifestyle. They've got a lifetime term as a job. They've got all this prestige and all the perks. They make all kinds of money. They do whatever they want. They're the final word on all laws. But they don't really have an idea what's going on in this country. The whole idea of saying something like, well, if the bad guys have guns on the subways, why can't the good guys? That's fucking ridiculous. You would expect better out of a Supreme Court justice, even if he is conservative. But no, that's the bullshit we get. That's the bullshit we can get from the Trumplican down the fucking street. It makes no sense, but they still spew it out. I really feel the Supreme Court is out of touch. These people are made to be elite, and they make choices about all of us and the laws in this country based on knowing nothing about what this real country, this country really works like. What really happens? I've always thought that the Supreme Court shouldn't be a partisan situation. Now, if you say that to them, they'll get all butthurt and say, we're not, bu- we're not partisan, we're about the law. Well, no, you are about partisanship. You allowed the anti-abortion thing in Texas. And now you're dicking around and saying stupid shit with regards to gun laws in New York. You are partisan. Whether you like to hear it or not, you're not. You should be above it, but you are not. What I've always thought was, in order to just make this 
not make this a contest with whoever's in charge, meaning the president or Congress. What they should always do, if you want nine justices, okay. But those nine justices have to be set up like this. There has to be four conservative, there has to be four liberal, and the guy in the middle, the chief justice, has to be the deciding point. Now, this chief justice could be more conservative or more liberal, theoretically. But if all we have to do is keep one justice above board and nonpartisan, it's going to be a lot easier than having six people be nonpartisan. And at some point, that chief justice will take some heat if he makes a ridiculous decision. That's how it should be. Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservative, neither one should have an advantage. If we're talking about a law, if we're talking about something that's specific like the law, then there should be no room for personal opinions or which way you lean. If we truly want to find an answer to a legal question or a problem, it should be fair all the way down the line. If you're a Democrat and a Republican or a conservative leaves office in the Supreme Court, you have to replace them with a Republican. If you're a Republican president and the Democrat leaves office, you have to replace them with a Democrat in order to keep that balance. Now, if they're not willing to do that, well, then Joe Biden has one more option. And they call it stacking the court. I know people have said, well, that's not a nice word. Well, that's the only word I've ever heard. And what that means is expanding the Supreme Court, adding more justices. And if Joe Biden did that, he could add enough to make it equal or even beyond what the conservatives have. Now, this is an unprecedented And the fact this country has grown, the population has grown, it's not out of question, out of the question, to do something like this. But if we're dealing with a Supreme Court that's willing to go against settled law like Roe v. Wade, maybe we need to look at that. If we can't make it so it's an even court, then maybe Biden needs to stack it. Now, he's got other things he's got to deal with first. But that should be on his agenda, especially if we're in a position uh, after 2022 where they still have majorities in the House and Senate. I doubt they could get that done between now and 2022. But if they do all the things right, they win in 2022. That's something they should attend to. Because the decisions that come out of the Supreme Court affect all of us and affect all of us dramatically. So... We need to look at that. I hope Joe Biden has that in mind. There's a lot of work to be done with Joe Biden in just three years. And if he wants to still have some control, he needs to do a lot in the next year. Infrastructure bill, reconciliation bill, the voting rights bill, going after the people that are corrupt and criminal in the insurrection in Congress and in the Trump administration. You got to do all this stuff. And if you do, you will win in 2022. You'll expand the margins or the majorities in the House and the Senate. And now you can do some real shit. You can make Joe Manchin and cinema irrelevant. 
They can vote whatever fucking way they want. We don't need you. And that should be the goal of this administration. Do whatever you have to do to win in 2022 and do all of it. And then once you win in 2022, start cherry picking the things you want done. Because no one knows what will happen in 2024. And people will say, well, look, is all of this really going to help them win in 2022? I think so. But besides that, if not, even if it doesn't, let's get the fucking shit done while we can. Because as soon as the Republicans come in, nobody's doing shit. We know they're obstructionists. They won't do anything. So whether it helps in 2022 or not, let's get some shit done now while we can, because we don't know if and when we will ever be able to do it again. Keep in mind, this infrastructure and the reconciliation bill is the biggest, they're the biggest bills and most transformational bills that have come back to the middle class for 40 years, 60 years. So how much longer do we have to wait to get more if we don't get this this time? Joe Biden needs to start acting like a president and stop being so amenable. He needs to take control. As a president, he has a lot of power. He needs to exercise that power instead of being nice. He needs to grab Joe Manchin by the collar and say, you're going to do what you're going to fucking do or you have a problem. He hasn't done that yet. He's not acting like a president. He's acting like a senator, and he needs to step it up and start acting like a president. You are the most powerful man in the year, uh, uh, most powerful man in the country, and this year you need to fucking exercise it because our country is at state. If that isn't enough to get your blood boiling and get you mad and get you motivated to go after people, I don't know what will. And then come 2022, if you can't do it, then maybe Joe Biden was the wrong person to put in office. Now, don't get me wrong. All the Joe Biden lovers out there are going to say, that's not fair. I like Joe Biden. I think he's the right president for the time. But Joe Biden needs to perform. He needs to do what he's capable of doing. He has the power in doing, and he needs to do it to save this country. And if he's unwilling or unable to do it, then I have a problem with Joe Biden. So we'll see what happens. Going to wrap things up for the podcast this time. If you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to uh, anchor.fm, check for the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave a voicemail. Love to hear from you. All right, let's wrap things up. We'll talk again tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.